0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, is Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Hey, Keith. How was your weekend? It was great. You went to some sort of... Uh... Per your Instagram, which clearly I stalk, um, you went to some sort of pop-up Saved by the Bell thing? That's correct, Keith. <laughs> that's correct, Keith. Well, um, I have no idea what this it's is. It's called
1: Saved by the Max, and it's literally like a pop-up diner of the Max from Saved by the Bell. Is that like their version of the Peach Pit from O? Yes. Yeah, that's where they hung out, had burgers after school, had their dance contest, the wow. radio station recorded from there, etc.,
0: Where was this at?
1: Um, It's right on Santa Monica in West Hollywood in some formerly empty building that they turned into the Max. And they actually did it in Chicago first. So I had heard about it in Chicago. We bought tickets way back in February, and July was the earliest reservation I could get for me and my three friends. When I signed on. Like right when they went on sale. Yeah. It was very fun, you guys. Were they pumping music there? Um, You know, they really weren't. Well, there was some music, and and it was definitely of the time. Like, I remember, I do remember hearing Belinda Carlisle having his place on Earth. Well, that would be 1987. Yeah. I mean, uh, Save It That was late 80s, early 90s. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, obviously associated with the early 90s. Well, um, it was delightful, and if you have an opportunity to go. Please do. Is it there for a while? Is it touring, basically? Um, I think they might do it in other cities, and I know that it does end at a certain point, I think, in the fall. But um, yeah, try. Try to go. Wow.
0: I mean, forget, like, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z on tour. Go see the tape Ah, by the bell pop-up. the food
1: was good. That's the craziest part. Sorry. We can move on.
0: (laughs) I wasn't expecting all this, but I'm I'm thrilled nonetheless. Um, Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition... You can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world
1: of pop. Today on the show, we have news about Drake, Ariana Grande, and the 2018 MTV Video Music Awards nominations. Plus... We've got an
0: interview with Mark Foster of Foster the People. It's a super interesting chat about the crossover success and longevity of the band's latest hit, Sit Next to Me, uh, why he never, ever thought Pumped Up Kicks would be a hit on the radio. Uh, He talks about touring with Paramore that may or may not involve s'mores and ping pong. (laughs) Um, He has some really thoughtful ideas about how um, we're kind of in like this postmodern age of music. As you can tell, I'm super stoked about this interview. So stick around for that a little bit later.
1: But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider, so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. So, maybe we should hit some of the biggest headlines over on billboard.com now. I I
0: took a breath all of sudden, I'm (gasps)
1: like, I'm just really
0: excited about the headlines. Are you?
1: (laughs) Well, I heard God is a Woman, and I heard that because Ariana Grande said it in her new song that she released... First thing Friday morning last week. Yeah. Uh, She also put out the video for the song. Uh, It came out just later that afternoon. Keith and I have been bottling up all this conversation about the song, about the video, just so we can unleash it here on the podcast. So we'll start with Keith. Keith, what do we think of the song? The song? Yeah. Um, I think we... Would you like to start with the video? Well, we can start with
0: the song. (laughs) Um... I think it's cool. I think it's a grower. And I think, which reminds me of my initial reaction to No No Tears Tears Left Left to Cry. Because we had different reactions. The first time I heard that, I was just like, oh, okay, it's cool. And you were just like, I'm loving every minute Uh of it. And now I love No Tears Left to Mm -hmm. Cry. And I think it's just one of those songs. And I think she's wisely made these songs that are slow burning and Mm -hmm. are very enjoyable with repeated listens. Yes. And in fact... You know, No Tears Left to Cry is still huge on the radio, so she knows what she's doing. So I like the song, and I think it's a great concept. It's an interesting concept, and I think it's very fitting for where you know sort of she's at in her kind of pop world.
1: It's kind of a Madonna moment. Kind of? In the sense of the religious iconography in both the video and in, like, using a gospel choir at the end of the song. Right. She definitely had an influence there. Well, yeah. Well, then thus speak of the video. Mm. Well, the video is fantastic. Yeah. Um, And beautiful and crazy. And You informed Me is directed by Dave Myers. Yeah. Who also did the No Tears Left to Cry video. There's
0: clearly a budget involved with this video. Oh, my
1: God. It's just like, it's it's art. Yeah. It's It's moving, living, breathing artwork. You still haven't said the thing that what I... What are we talking about?
0: Uh, the cameo in the video? Yeah.
1: Did I miss a cameo in the video? Are you gonna tell me what is this? What she was t- tweeting with Madonna about last week? Yes, I literally didn't see Madonna in this video.
0: Okay, well you don't see Madonna. Oh, you oh, hear is that Madonna. Her voice? Yes. Oh, there's a the spoken voice of word. Th- there's mm. a spoken word interlude where she comes uh, comes in and says, "I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance," which of course is a quote that was used in Pulp Fiction, but it's like a
1: Well, it's from the Bible. It's from the Bible. <laughs>
0: Um, it's quite. It's a famous quote. Because, famous like,
1: quote from Pulp Fiction and the Bible.
0: Yeah, but people on Twitter were like, "Oh my God, it's that Pulp Fiction oh quote." I'm like, God. yes, via and the Bible. I'm like,
1: "Oh, I, what are you talking about, Madonna?" So clearly, there's layers that people need to discover in this video. Yeah,
0: so Ariana Grande, you know, she lip syncs to Madonna's voice saying this passage from the Madonna Bible. Madonna should be the voice of God. A lot of people didn't immediately know that it was Madonna because it's like this weird sort of like faux Southern accent mm-hmm. that comes through. And the first, I, I, I when I. When I first heard the song, considering Ariana had been tweeting about Madonna, saying telling her thank you, Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, so did Madonna either, A, send her and Pete Davidson some flowers, or B, do something with Ariana on her album? Yeah. And then when No Tears, or I mean, when God is a Woman, the song was coming, I'm like wait so maybe she's on the song mm-hmm. and then I heard the song because I think the songs I heard the songs audio first on stream on Apple Music yeah and then I watched the video the next day because there was actually like a gap like it was hour like
1: gap. Mi- exactly it was midnight and
0: noon and so I'm like, okay, I don't hear Madonna on this track. Okay, that's disappointing because I was I was personally hoping for it to be like Ariana. Really like trying
1: to like listen to the gospel sections. Like, do we hear Madonna's voice yeah. in there? Or, yeah. I was
0: like, is this like Ariana featuring Madonna? <laughs> no. And then when I watched the video, I was like, is Madonna in the video somehow? Mm-hmm. And then, then up comes the interlude. I'm like, oh, snap. That's See, Madonna. See, that's
1: funny. I was also kind of looking for her. And then didn't see her. I was kind of waiting, like, when Ariana's reaching out at the end, the, you know, Michelangelo, Sistine Chapel I reference. I thought that at might the have end. Been I thought that could have been Madonna she was reaching for. It was not. But clearly
0: Sp- she was featured another way. But, you know, she was reaching out smartly you know, to a uh, two. There was like a very, it was like a multi-ethnic mm-hmm. um, palette. A palette? No. Uh, what would you call that? Scene? Uh, uh, you know, the pastiche. Sh- well, it was it was like a you know it was a Sistine Chapel, yes. But with Ariana reaching out to a black woman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ariana was backed up by a bunch of you know I guess angels or mm-hmm. some, I don't know what what is this?
1: God. The whole video is just so cool looking it's, it's really, and really pretty. It's also just like as a lady, uh, super just amazing to see a pop star just go all out on the like feminine power thing. I mean, she there's a scene where she gets pregnant, like her belly becomes pregnant and as a mom i got a little choked up just like she's talking about how powerful women are and part of that power is birth and it was it's beautiful wow. so yeah it's I, I love the song i love the video and i do agree with you about the repeated listens because it's some it's already lodged in my head from listening to it you know the four or five times i listened to it on friday then watching the video this morning it's like she is really good at the it's like the earworm, but not the, like, you know, you'll get sick of it because right. it's so, like, annoying earworm. It's not like that.
0: Oh, yeah, no. Um, so this is, obviously, this is from her new album, which is coming when? Uh, yes.
1: Sweetener is due August 17th. Okay. And so far we've heard, as we talked about, No Tears Left to Cry, um, which is currently number one on the Pop Songs Airplay chart. So the close that slow burn. Hit number one this is. week, yeah. And uh, then The Light is Coming, featuring Nicki Minaj and produced by Pharrell. And now God is a woman. So we'll see uh, what else, what other little taste we'll get before uh, before the album comes out. Yeah, cool. So next up. Uh, Cardi B and the Carters lead the 2018 VMA nominations. MTV announced the nominations for the 2018 Video Music Awards on Monday, and Cardi B sits on top of the list with 10 nods. Jeez. The new mom and breakout 2018 rapper racked up nominations for video, song, and artist of the year, along with best new artist and best collaboration for her feature on Bruno Mars's Finesse remix. Uh-huh. Right behind Cardi are the Carters, <laughs> a.k.a. Beyonce and Jay-Z. With eight nominations for Ape Shit from their joint album, Everything is Love, followed by Childish Gambino and Drake with seven apiece, Bruno Mars with six, and Ariana Grande and Camila Cabello with five each. Are Ariana's all from No Tears Left to Cry? Yes. I mean, okay. obviously, God is a Woman, I think, oh, was just too, too close yeah. to the to the nominations.
0: Um, do you... you pro- Well, you don't have this in front of you. I know you don't. Um what were the nominations for video of the year which is generally considered yeah. like the big award I know um, Charles Gambino says America um, Ape Shit from the Carters mm-hmm. um, Katie's actually looking this up now mm-hmm. um, because that's like usually the one big award that if you remember anything from the show you're gonna remember maybe what one video of the year
1: yeah and um, so I'll just read them off I know you already named some of them but Ariana Grande, Ariana Grande No Tears Love to Cry mm-hmm. Bruno Mars and Cardi Finesse camila cabello and young thug havana the carters ape shit childish gambino this is america and drake god's plan
0: god's plan was the one where he went out and gave money to everyone
1: Mm -hmm. it's interesting they definitely made a choice there i wonder if they considered nominating nice for what as well and decided maybe that god's plan was more of a unique concept for a video because we haven't really seen that before. Yeah. Just taking a budget and giving it away. Whereas Nice for What is, uh, you know, celebrity cameos is kind of a concept we've seen before. But it's obviously a little bit, you know, different that it's a a male artist featuring only female celebrities. Well, that's not that different. There's lots of examples I mean, of
0: that. I think it's a nice blend where you have kind of like, you know, you have, you have sort of a very conventional i suppose video that is still very well done and very fun and poppy finesse no um you have an ariana video from uh, one of our biggest pop artists through and through but you also have um really provoking interesting popular videos like this is america and ape shit and god's plan yeah um i'm sure i just left someone out from there in the mix sorry camila Oh, no, Mike. Oh, well, Havana. No, that's, that's, it's like a mini movie. And yeah. Camila, like, acts her butt off and it's yeah. funny and it's such a breakthrough hit. So it's like, it's yeah. a really, like, for people that were, like, bemoaning, though, like, oh, our music video is dead or are we,
1: like, in a downturn? Like, no, oh. oh, actually, based on this, at least this category. I mean, Childish Gambino's This Is America was number one because of its music How video. How can that not
0: win for Yeah, VO/VR?
1: honestly, when it came out, it I was thinking, like, Already. That's, there's just no chance that anybody um, else, I mean, and there are really, I mean, Jay Z and Beyonce shut down the Louvre, <laughs> like they they yeah. they filmed in front of the Mona Lisa yeah you know so there's lots of things to be said. I think for they'd all be okay if
0: Childish Gambino. I think won. so too. Yeah, um, we're not gonna well or well we're certainly <laughs> not gonna get a repeat. I'm like all three of those people. We, I mean, Bruno Mars, Gam, Childs Gambino, and oh, it's like the Grammys all over again. Beyonce were all nominated for album of the year. Actually, Beyonce was not well, nominated not this year. Jay Z year. was. Jay Z was. Yeah. And Bruno won album of the year mm-hmm. versus the other two. I think this is different though because I'm not even sure who votes for the VMAs. It's like a select, like blue ribbon panel. No, no, no fans now. <gasps> oh, fan
1: voted. Oh, even video of the year. Yes, and uh, fans well, can vote for their favorite artists across all eight categories right now.
0: Well. Camila just won. Yeah. Thanks for playing, everybody. Yeah.
1: No, I... uh, We'll see. Well, in terms of... You know what? Actually, now that I say that out loud, um, it says that there's fan voting in eight categories. Maybe Video of the Year is immune to the fan voting. Mm. Well, you look that up. Okay. (laughs) um,
0: And you go to vma.mtv.com, perhaps. um, You know, some of the biggest... uh, Some of the big Video of the Year winners in the past, because the first video... The first VMAs um, were in 1984... Very first video to win video of the year. I will give you the nominees that did not win first. Okay. Um, Every Breath You Take by The Police. Mm. Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. Thriller by Michael Jackson. Uh, that means it didn't win. Mm-hmm. And Rocket by Herbie Hancock. Oh, yeah. So I've f- seen all of those videos. All of them lost. Okay. Two, a v- very great video, but still thriller didn't win uh you might think by the cars wow now you might think had a lot of at the time kind of state-of-the-art computer um in- imagery you know like there was a miniature fly and it was like the, it was very high tech at the time but thriller lost video yeah. of the year yeah wtf yeah so
1: you know for every time you have something <laughs> like that um, you need to do the example i think it's 2006 oh, do you have that in front of you yeah if, i have the whole thing if yeah. it is shocking you just let me know
0: oh is well, it the one i think it is um maybe
1: who's the winner panic at the disco yes
0: yeah i think i'm pretty sure this was the first year that they switched to fan voting
1: oh, okay that would make a lot of sense
0: i think i could be wrong um, because this year, 2006 the nominees were Shakira and Wyclef for Hips Don't Lie, mm-hmm. Red Hot Chili Peppers with Danny California, mm-hmm. Madonna's Hung Up, mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera's Ain't No Other Man. Oh, great video. And Panic for the Disco's I Write Sins, Not Tragedies. And that was just, I remember seeing that. I'm like,
1: what? Yeah. Full disclosure, I worked
0: at MTV at the time,
1: which is why I know Also, the exact we love year you, Brendan Yuri <laughs> exactly. We love Panic for the Disco. And actually, I, he's like, uh, you know, clearly lasted longer than anyone would have thought in 2006. You know, like, yes. 12 years later, number one album. So, like, maybe MTV and their voters knew something we didn't.
0: I'm I'm pretty sure that was, like, I think... I mean, I kind of... I started getting kind of, like, a, a little bit annoyed. Just, I think, partially because of my sort of grievances with Eminem in general. Mm. Um, In the early 2000s, when Eminem won video of the year twice. But when Panic! won, I was just like... What? And I felt like that was really when the VMA started just kind of like implode mm. in terms of like, it's no longer about what the most, the best video like was what
1: culturally is the best video. It's now just whatever fans want to win. And to that point, uh, you can vote now for video of the year on MTV.com slash VMA. Mark our woods words. <laughs> then
0: uh, Camila might just take uh. a video of the year home kids. Um, last year's winner for video of the year, by the way, was um,
1: I wonder if I know the answer to this question. It was uh, well,
0: I'll tell you the nominees, okay? Uh, the weekend's re- reminder, don't remember that one. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Um, Bruno Mars's 24 Karat Magic, DJ Khaled's Wild Thoughts, Alessia Cara's Scars to Your Beautiful, and Kendrick Lamar's Humble. I guess the answer is no, I don't remember. It was Humble, okay? So that they, they got that one right. Oh, and I uh, took someone's uh, UPS FedEx printout. Oops! Darn it! <laughs> That's my fault. Uh, well, I'm sure they'll figure it out. Um, well, anyway, um, charts, charts. Let's move on to charts, kids. This is a little bit too too long of uh, the news segment. I apologize. It's just when we talk about VMAs and Madonna inside an Ariana Grande right. video, all bets are off. Okay, so let's get to some chart news. It's all about the Drake, the Drake, the Drake. <laughs>
1: I hear he's kind of big these
0: days. Yeah. Well, he rules both the Billboard 200 Albums Chart and the Billboard Hot 100 Songs Chart this week, as his Scorpion album is still number one on the Billboard 200 for a second week, while In My Feelings, from the album, uh, vaults from number six to number one on the Hot 100, thanks to a viral dance craze. Have you
1: done your video yet, Keith?
0: No, I I think we're going to do it together. Aren't we doing it together? Yeah, let's do that. Sure, we can get some people in the office because we'll all do it (laughs) together. It'll be like it'll be like the Harlem Shake. Nope. Um, Well, the album earned three hundred thirty-five thousand equivalent album units in the week ending July twelfth, according to Nielsen Music, of course, in the United States, and that's the largest sophomore week for an album in over two years. The last set to log a larger second week was Adele's 25 when it earned 1.16 million units Hmm. in its second week um, back in (laughs)
1: 2015.
0: Um, And it started, of course, with over 3 million. Right, And most of that was just album sales. Um, So that ain't probably happening again. (laughs) Um, Scorpion is still largely powered by streaming activity, not album sales. Um, And in its second week, by the way, Scorpion sold 29,000 albums in its second week. Well, uh, all digital. Um, fun fact: mm-hmm. That is so. Scorpion. As I, I well, I'll come back to that in a second. So, Scorpion is still, mm-hmm. of course, powered by streaming activity. And in its second week, it garnered three hundred ninety-one million on-demand audio streams for its tracks. That's the third biggest streaming week for an album ever. Um, of course, a week ago, uh, Scorpion earned seven hundred thirty-two thousand units in its first week, which is the biggest week of two thousand eighteen, and. Uh, Again, because the album is powered by streams, it tallied 745.9 million on-demand audio streams for its tracks in its opening frame, which is the biggest streaming week ever for an album. So the thing I said about Scorpion's 29,000 copies sold, it's not in our script. Um, So Scorpion is actually the top selling album this week. So the biggest selling album in America this week sold 29,000 copies fun fact in air quotes question mark mm-hmm. um that is the smallest sum for the top selling album in the week since nielsen music started tracking sales in 1991 and it's only the third time we've had we've had like the biggest selling album of the week sell less than 30,000 copies
1: we should also say that you know well you'll probably get to this I was just going to say another big release this past week was Futures Beast Mode 2, which was streaming streaming only, only. so it had no opportunity to be on the top album sales chart.
0: Uh, No. Um, uh, Actually, uh, Futures Beast Mode 2 debuts at number three on the Billboard 200, all from streaming activity, and that actually makes it the highest charting streaming-only album ever. It surpasses the number eight uh, debut and peak of Chance Chance the the Rapper's Rapper's coloring coloring book. book. Yeah. Um, uh, spe- <laughs> Let's say it together <laughs> Chance the Rappers color Rainbow um, Another thing um, Speaking of all these rappers In the top 10 uh, So we have Future at number 3 We've got Drake at number 1 um, in, in fact the entire top 6 albums On the Billboard 200 Are rap albums which Wow is, That's the first time That's ever happened mm. And nine out of the top ten albums are all rap albums. Wow. That's never happened either. Um, The only thing that is not rap in the top ten is the Greatest Showman soundtrack. Incredible. So had it not been for the soaring vocals of Zac Efron and Hugh Jackman and Mm -hmm. Kala Settle, Mm -hmm. we would have had an all rap top ten. So, Katie, you might be wondering why is this possible?
1: Yes, why? How? Why?
0: It's the power of streaming. Yes. Um, And also... Uh, because, because and I just say the power of streaming as if you listening knows what that means. Well, what that means is hip-hop does extraordinarily well in streaming yeah. services. That is the, uh, the, the vehicle in which a lot of people who love hip-hop will absorb new music. Mm. Um, doesn't really work so much with country and pop and rock. Like, that is just... I mean, you look at the top of the Apple and Spotify charts, and it's just hip-hop dominated. And... I'm still curious. I'm like, there's got to be some amazing study. Why? It's like, why is it? Why is, like, hip-hop so dominant on streaming services? Whereas, like, are, are, or, or is it, are we just, like, you know, like, four or five years behind? Like, in five mm-hmm. years from now, will we see, you know, the new Florida Georgia line, at the top of the Spotify right. chart for, like, a month. Because
1: like, hip-hop is popular with young people, and young people are the first adopters, adopters
0: of, yeah. yeah. And when, and that's sort of what happened, you know, back when people, you know, first started listening to, you know, first started buying music through iTunes, or right. first started buying CDs through the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that we saw react the most, actually, at the time, was youth-oriented stuff, but also a lot of alternative and college music. Mm-hmm. Um, not just rap. And that was because you had a lot of like alternative music was very popular with like college kids who had access to broadband mm-hmm. and internet. Yeah. Now, clearly the music of choice of college kids and high school kids is hip hop. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And that's just dominant. Yeah. So it's a combination of streaming being very powerful on the album charts and with hip hop, but also the fact that nothing of note in terms of pop rock or country came out right. in terms of albums on the um, street date that impacted this week's chart yeah as opposed to a week ago when there were new albums from uh Florence and the Machine and the and the Gorillas that debuted in the top 10 yeah so maybe it'll all change next week I don't know um we'll see we'll see and now uh, speaking of all that hip-hop we're going to go do an interview with not someone from the world of hip-hop. <laughs> um, it's our. It's time for an interview with Mark Foster of Foster the People. Uh, Mark dialed in to the pop shop as he was en route to a show, actually. And uh, we had a super, super interesting chat. Um, the band is actually currently enjoying a radio hit with Sit Next to Me, which was first a hit on our alternative songs airplay chart last year. Uh, the song came out like in like September, August, September. Um, And then became a hit on alternative radio, but now it has since crossed over to the pop songs airplay chart. Such a Um, fun song. Mark goes in deep uh, in our chat about how top 40 radio is just really weird right now, um, and that nobody knows what's going to work at pop radio. Um, He also talks about why he never, ever thought that the band's breakthrough hit, Pumped Up Kicks, would be a radio hit. Um, And... The, the answer may surprise you because I asked him and I was expecting him to say, oh, you know, we just never thought like,
1: you know, people would like it.
0: He has, he actually had like a scientific sort of type answer mm. about the way pop songs are structured and Man. that doesn't and, the, and he's like this wouldn't work on the radio.
1: He's the new Rivers Cuomo trying to break down the formula of a pop hit.
0: It's I mean I I think he's like the he was just like the perfect guest yeah. for the pop shop. So we have a guest
1: co-host sometime. Yeah, oh that'd be well, great. Mark see
0: you when you hear this. Mark if you're listening come on back. Um anyway, so there's lots of deep thoughts about the state of pop music and how everything is working and also making smores and playing ping pong with Paramore. <laughs> so that's in there too. So anyway, Take a listen to our interview with Mark Foster of Foster the People. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, Mark Foster of Foster the People. How's it going, sir?
2: Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm in New York right now. I'm um, just heading to the Barclays Center for uh, check.
0: Yeah, you're you're uh now do you have a driver? Is is this like a van scenario or is this like a lift?
2: <laughs> I, I actually yeah, no, I just got, I got an Uber, actually.
0: <laughs> See, yeah. rock stars, they're just like us. Um well first off, <laughs> <laughs> congratulations on the big success of your single Sit Next to Me. Um the track has really kind of had this extraordinarily you know, long life. Um it was already a smash on our alternative songs airplay chart last year and then has since crossed over to the pop songs chart. And it's, you know, you know, in recent times has been like a big hit on pop radio. Um, What's it been like for you seeing, you know, how this song has grown and expanded its reach, you know, from its release last summer? Like, what's it been like to see that for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of amazing, really, just because it's, I mean, it's been really surprising for me. Like every, every week now, um just getting an update you know that 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 it's like continually growing and you know has a bullet at radio and um I, i'm just like what I mean, you know it's been on the radio for like eight or nine months um and uh it's just cool that it's connecting with people and it's a funny thing too i think like it with was, was, you know american radio in particular you know a song like this i mean it's a, it's in the song, I think, that like, when you would hear it for the first time at radio, I mean, it's a ballad. It's like a mid-tempo ballad, basically, that you wouldn't say, oh, this is going to react right away. You know, it's kind of a sleeper. Um, that, But it's one of those things that I think with American radio, if these things take time. You know, building something up, that alternative, it takes... It's it's It it's, it's always surprises me at how long it takes for people to... For a song to be able to get four or five listens by a single person that listens to the same station, you know, it could take a few weeks before somebody starts to really connect the dots that, oh, this is a song that I like, and okay, this is a song that's lost for the people. Um, you know, whereas I, f- I think in maybe the UK, um, so, you know, a Radio 1 or something, that um, a song has a much shorter lifespan, you know, pretty much even like a hit song unless it's like a smash unless it like a monster is going to have, you know, maybe six to eight weeks. Um, it's going to live on the radio and then, and then we're going to move to the next thing or triple J in Australia. I think it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's different, but, um, U S radio, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, to have a song that's on for this long though, is, um, is, is, you know, surprising. It's cool. Yeah.
0: You know, I'm, it's a I good mean, thing. Clearly, you know your radio because, yeah, I mean, in, I think in the UK, just because it's like a much smaller country and, you know, everyone listens to, you know, effectively kind of, I mean, not the same stations, but I mean, there's only a certain number really that are super powerful. And so, you know, yeah, things move a lot faster, you know, in the UK, but here it's like so weird because we have so many different formats and, and you know, it takes you know, some, for whatever reason, it takes multiple listens, you know, for it to catch on. And that's why we see, especially lately, I mean, now I'm really going deep because I work in charts at Billboard, so I could really fall into a rabbit hole with you. And I'm not going to do that. But there's a lot of songs lately, like Dua Lipa's new rules has been out for like a year, and it's still on the charts. Uh, Lau's single has been like on the charts for a year. And, you know, your single has effectively been on the radio for almost a year on different formats. So it's weird how U.S. radio is just so kind of slow turning sometimes, but that can really work Mm -hmm. to your advantage like it has done with this single. Um, Moving on, though, I could spend forever on that. Um, You know, you've been down this, like, crossover road before, you know, with Pumped Up Kicks, obviously, you know, when it crossed over from rock to pop radio, but... You know, is it different this time around? Is it not as like sort of weird going from rock to pop, or is it not any different at all? You know, this time.
2: I mean, yeah, it's completely different. Um, I think you know that was seven years ago, yeah. um, and I would say that you know we 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 were a new bands and nobody really knew anything about us, and Pumped Up Kicks um, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and continued to kind of surprise everybody, I think, um, including myself. And um, you know that that song was never—I mean, I never, I never in a million years thought that that song would be played on the radio at all, um, let alone be played on pop radio. And um, why? Why didn't? Be sorry in I, the world? And sorry so, to
0: interrupt. Why didn't you think that it would not be played on the radio? Did you not think it sounded like a hit, or was there something I mean, else?
2: I mean, well, I mean, even just considering, like, radio, you know, kind of like the unspoken rule of radio, you know, you want a vocal to come in in, like, five to ten seconds um, on a song that's going to be played on the radio. Pump Up Kicks has an intro that's almost a minute long before the vocal even comes in.
0: Yeah, that is surprising. Um, actually, yeah.
2: And there's, you know, it's it's got a lot of space and at that time especially on pop radio i mean you 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 rarely even heard guitars on pop radio let alone a band um you know it's uh, pop radio normally kind of um really kind of super serves the pop artist a singer or a rapper um and something with like you know an electronic um more electronic production but like you you rarely hear kind of a band so i mean that song was pretty i would say it was really left to center and kind of came out of nowhere radio was a, in a very different place back then and then kind of from that point i would say that radio started to come around and i would say that even you know that song opened up some doors for bands to be heard on pop radio a little bit more um you know with you could see with like Gautier and then capital cities um and uh you know this last and then arctic monkeys well, actually i don't know if they crossed or, but I, I think they did um on yeah, their last a little record.
0: A, a little bit a little bit
2: not as much as you. A little bit. I and mean, then <laughs> you know I and mean, then obviously last year Portugal the man. Um, yeah, totally. And so you know, I would say that now radio is definitely in a different in a different place. And I think that people's tastes are in a different place that nobody really knows what's gonna work at pop radio now. Nobody it could be anything, you know, it could be
0: um I mean, it, track. You know, post yeah. Malone.
2: Yeah, exactly. It could be Cardi B. It could be, you know, um it could, you know, just there's strange people are. I think are being constantly surprised, which, which I love. I mean, I think that you know we're we've been in a postmodern age of music for a while. That I think people that listen to music now, and you can see it when you look at the festival lineups, who's playing. That there's everything from um, EDM to hip hop to like, you know, trap, like Atlanta, like dirty south stuff to rock stuff to really avant-garde, left-of-center stuff, and and people that go to those festivals are going to see all of it. Um, and, and I think that's kind of a reflection on where people's tastes are now, that it's not, people aren't genre-specific anymore, um, which I think is so great and so healthy. And you're also seeing that, you know, like Kanye being a big champion of that for a long time now. I mean, even going back to, like, Stronger, when he, um, you know, took Daft Punk, and started to use kind of pull from electronic music and bring it into hip hop um, or flashing lights or, you know, any, anything from that. I mean, I, there, uh, there's a lot of cross-pollination within genres now, which is something that as a band we've always been interested in doing as well, which, um, you know, on Sacred Hearts Club, on our newest record. Uh, it like totally blurs genres. Bit, like hip-hop.
0: it's kind of all over the place. Like there's pop, there's rock, there's kind of yeah. hip hoppy beats at cer- at certain points. It's kind of yeah. I, I you know totally. we sort of classify it as an alternative album. You know for our charts and you, you know your home base is alternative radio. But you know really when you listen to the album, it's like you know there's elements of lots of stuff in it. And I can I would imagine that's because you know you know you and 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 you know you yourself are you know is sort of a fan of all sorts of music like that just sort of seeps into your consciousness because you just like all sorts of kinds of music and that shows up in your music i imagine Mm. um well anyway oh no that wasn't really a question that was just me making a statement
2: (laughs) i mean working on that record we had we actually had two records basically we kind of separated the hip-hop electronic stuff with the more we had more kind of psychedelic guitar stuff and more rock stuff um and we separated them at one point in, you know, in time. We were going to put out two, whether it was like two EPs or two records that were, um, I guess, more stylistically cohesive. And then we kind of, and it was this big conversation. We, you know, I remember talking to Rich Costey about it, the producer, and, and, and a bunch of other friends at Paul Epworth and um, different people that were in music, just like, what do you think is a good way to you know, release this music because not all of it works together, but, um, you know, should we keep it separate or should we try to do something and, and, and have it all kind of make it more like a roller coaster. When you put on the record, you don't know where it's going to go. And that's what we we decided to do to do the latter. Um, and, you know, put a song like Lotus Eater, you know, which is like, you know, really kind of influenced by the Ramones. um, and then hard cut that into this weird 1950s David Lynch prom mm-hmm. type um, kind of psychedelic ballad, Um, you know, and then have that go into like, you know, a song like Heart in the Paint that I did with John Hill that is, and, and Dahi, you know, and, and that's something that's like way more um, kind of forward thinking hip hop electronic, you know, but, but approaching, being approached by a songwriter. And so it just kind of, you know, it was, it was, that was it. Was fun to put that together and try to make it all work. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of the, the main conversation was like, well, look, you know, this is what, this is how people listen to music now. Like, this is, you know, where we, you skip from you know listening to like, you know, Lil Yachty to like listening to, um, you know, Ennio Morticon to Giorgio Moroder to, um, well, I do. Yeah, I was like, Um, like really, really
0: cool, interesting people do, because I don't know if that's the typical kind of playlist for the average person, but yeah, I I see that, I hear you.
2: That's my playlist.
0: Yeah. Your playlist (laughs) is going from John Carpenter's theme for Halloween, and then we skip over to Selena Gomez, and then we go back to some Bach. You know, it's like the cool blend. You know, that's typical, right?
2: Like, mm, I don't know, dude. Just a a normal Sunday.
0: Just normal, average Sunday. Um, Just doing chores around the house. You know, it's cool. Sorry. (laughs) Um, okay, so, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, specific questions, um, because I, I realize I'm probably keeping you on the phone a little bit too long, but um, you're on tour right now with Paramore. Um, what's, I mean, the obvious question, you know, what's it been like touring with them? Did you, like, sort of, were you friendly with Paramore? Did you guys know them at all, really, before touring?
2: My, one of my bandmates, Phil Danu, actually... I guess uh, I just found this out. I knew that he knew Zach, their drummer, but I didn't. Well, I didn't know how, but he, he. I guess he produced an EP for Zach when Zach was doing like side projects. Hmm. Um, so they they know each other, and um, other than that, I hadn't met. I hadn't met any of them, um, and you know, kind of, it was just there. I think that there's been kind of love there for a while. Um, just between the two, the two bands. But, um, but yeah, we kind of walked into this, you know, really just fresh, just really kind of shaking hands and introducing ourselves. <laughs> it's
0: like, um, hi, we'll be touring together. What's your name again? Haley. Great to meet you, miss. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> sure wasn't like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, but it's 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 been really it's been really great. I mean, they're good people. We we all get along right away, and it's been kind of funny too because the last few venues we played a bit kind of like summer camp vibes. Like the the venues themselves have had like ping pong and bonfires afterwards with s'mores. Wow, like okay,
0: that's cool. Weird
2: bicycles and like scooters and all this stuff laying around and basketball hoops and whatever. So <laughs> it's been kind of like after. You know, before the shows and after the shows, we've all just been kind of like hanging um, together, doing weird activities. Um, making
0: s'mores and playing ping pong uh, as you do on tour. That's Making
2: s'mores and playing ping pong as you do.
0: That's That could be a song uh, lyric. I think we can make that happen. Maybe not. Um, Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, Actually, I was kind of curious, like, while you're on the road, do you have time, like, is that when you like to write music, or do you sort of want to dedicate, like, separate time away from touring and sort of make it a self-contained thing outside of the road?
2: I've done that before, doing it for the money on Sacred Hearts Club, and also SHC actually started on tour doing to it for the money I started on like on the torches tour like probably five or six years ago wow. I had my own bus and I put a studio on the bus um and traveled around trying to write stuff for our second record and that was really the only idea that I ended up seeing the light of day five years later I ended up kind of I and found that the, the the basis for that track on a hard drive somewhere I was like you know we should finish this and um, but for the most part, you know, I found that it's it's pretty hard for me to write on on tour. I mean it's it's I'm I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the movement of the bus or it's just like after playing a show it's um, you know, pretty my my brain is kind of reeling and I just wanna like play video games.
0: Yeah.
2: Um or like or play you ping know, pong and chocolate cupcake and go to bed. Yeah. Um <laughs> but it's something that I'm still trying to figure out, you know? I know Ryan Tedder from One Republic, I mean, he tours around with an Airstream that he pulls behind their bus, and he has a studio, and he's been doing that for years, and I know that he's, like, locked up. I mean, he, he, he is kind of a freak on, on a whole other level, though. I mean, yeah. is His work ethic and how prolific he is, he's always in the studio, always songwriting. Um, but that's something that I look up to, you know? I, I think that having maybe a separate space, like an Airstream, or having something that I can kind of like close the door and not be not have people like shuffling by grabbing socks from the back lounge or whatever yeah um <laughs> you know is it might be a little bit more conducive to being creative but
0: yeah then all of your songs will just meantime, end up in the meantime i kind of socks. honestly yeah. when i'm on
2: tour i'm on tour and then when i'm home i kind of explode into the studio you know and i just built a home studio um and have been uh, have like my own proper studio for the first time in my life where I can track drums. And, wow um, You know, I have a board and I have a ton of outboard gear um, every you know, just everything that I need basically and so um, I When I get home from this tour, I'm, I'm, I've got a, a bunch of music that I'm gonna be jumping into and, and then I some Innes, My bandmate myself we've been producing stuff together for a long time and we we've been working on some stuff for that band coin Um, doing some stuff with them on their new record and um, having, you know, quite a bit of, like, production and writing stuff aside from Foster the People that's, like, kind of lined up that we're going to be doing, um, you know, when we get home from this tour. So, you know, it's going to be busy.
0: Wow, you're super busy. Um, Well, last thing. um, uh, Since, I mean, since it's now been effectively, like, seven and a half, you know, years or so, basically since Pumped Up Kicks kind of, like, you know, put you onto the map um, and, you know, you've toured so much and you've been around the block, you know, a whole bunch of times, um, you know, is there like one really big lesson that you feel like you've learned from this whole experience so far uh, for you? Like, what's like been like some really great teachable thing that you've learned? I know that sounds like a big, huge question. It doesn't have to be crazy. I was just kind of curious. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what's like a good lesson you've learned?
2: Well, I would say that, you know, I come from kind of the old uh, old school, like, love of music, how things were when you went to a record store and you bought an album because the artwork looked cool and you maybe heard about the band from a friend and you just tried it out and brought it home and unwrapped it and put it in. And, um, and so I would say that, kind of, when you know, as, as it pertains to making records, I love to make albums, full albums, front to back and disappear for a while and really dive in and really pull my hair out and try to make it perfect and tell a story and all of those things. And, and I think that one of the biggest lessons that I learned, even just coming off the heels from between torches and supermodel, um, was that, um, you know, taking, if you take a a break for two or three years or not a break, but if you're in the studio writing a record and then you come back out, you have to reeducate everybody. Um, again, of who you are, what you're all about, what you're doing, and and I and I think that it's somewhat of an uphill battle sometimes, where it's not like people's attention spans—they're not like waiting around, like back you know in the '60s when they're like, oh, you know, the Beatles are coming out, the new record, or the Beach Boy, or whatever it is. I can't wait to hear this, and it's like people talk about—not even the '60s, even like the '90s was yeah. like that. You know, I remember being like, okay. You know, Soundgarden's coming out with a new record or whatever, and and knowing the date, knowing when it comes out, like months in advance. It was an event, up literally. On the like there'd be Buy
0: billboards it. with like release dates on it, and you know, the Rolling Stones has a new album. Like it was always like you knew the date, like months in advance. Sorry,
2: <laughs> you knew the date. It wasn't like it wasn't like oh shit, you know, the weekend just dropped a record at midnight last night. I'll yeah, check it out. Um, you know, it was. You, you know, so I, I think that, you know, one of the big lessons that I've learned, I guess, in terms of just being, which which is also amazing, is just that art, because of the digital nature of how everything is, and with streaming and whatever, is that you can be, we can be, you can be more fluid, and you can act quicker, and something that, which is, for me, instead of locking myself away, you know, trying to go up on... Um, you know, a mountain and come down like Moses with the 10 commandments and be like, look what I've been like, you know, all grizzled <laughs> and like have it showered and like, look what I've been up to just like come um, with, this, with this, you know, piece of piece of work, um, that it's like, if I finish a song, I want to put it out. Um, and so that's kind of where my headspace is now. I just want to finish music, put it out, put it out as a single. And I guess in some ways it is going back to the 50s. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, where it was like kind of the age of the single. You know, you can put out a single, like just continue to just be prolific. I think we're in the age of being prolific. And whoever is kind of the squeakiest wheel in terms of being prolific, which which is, I mean, not to go super, super deep and long on like long on this, I probably already got No, visited, you're good. <laughs> but is why I think hip-hop um, has just been dominant um, for the last few years because in hip-hop, you know, you, you have hundreds of people that are beat makers that are sending their coolest stuff to Drake or sending their stuff to, you know, who, uh, name, name your MC. Right. And they can, like, pour through 100 beats, pick, you know, one or two that they like, jump into a vocal booth, write a verse lay down the vocal, and then, like, they could put that out a, a couple days later if they wanted to, and that's what's been happening. I mean, you know, especially someone like Drake, it's just he's his name is always on the radio. He's always got something new coming out. It's been like that for years. Yeah. And whether it's his own stuff, or it's whether or whether he's collaborating and jumping on somebody else's track, which is something that I think needs to do more often, you know? I would love to do a song with Portugal, the man. I'd love to do a song with Cage the Elephant. Like, I would love to do you know, a tune with MGMT. I would love to like do something with Vampire Weekend or Arctic Monkeys. Or I think the like, cross pollination, um, you know, with with alternative artists, I think there's a lot of room for bands to start collaborating collaborating together. Yeah, that doesn't exactly um, I mean, happen maybe, very often. In <laughs> a similar fashion, like kind of like just like what I did with the Knox. Yeah. You know, we've got we we just did a song together. And, you know, it's with the Knox and Foster the People, and you know, that's um i i think there's a you know the artists that are maybe more on the fringes should start collaborating together i think it's just you know it's fun what we do is fun it doesn't have to be all like lone wolf super competitive super secretive it's like we're we're lucky to be able to make music and um and you know i i, I find it to be really fun to collaborate with people that um you know come from a different background for myself so that's something that I, I think in the future, you know, something that I'm really kind of shooting for.
0: Well, um, this has actually been a really enjoyable conversation. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. I look forward to your collaboration with Drake in your home studio uh, later this year. Um, <laughs> maybe it'll be set to some sort of, you know, um, interesting atmospheric Inya music from the eighties. I don't know. Just throwing that out there um but thank you so much mark and um you know have a great time on the rest of the tour and uh, much success to you in the future thank you again so much mark um it was such a joy uh talking to you and really like katie said we would love to uh Talk again. I mean, yeah, he could
1: be the new Tyler Oakley, just roll in and guest co-host. <laughs> um,
0: uh, I mean, and Mark's pretty sassy too in the interview. I yeah, mean, <laughs> um, Mark also has very specific, um, interesting tastes. Like, like, and I, and I, I mean, as you just heard, like, I joked with him because he was talking about like, oh, you know, you can go from like a Neil Morricone to like you know, and then he like name checked like a pop artist and name checked something else. And I'm like, I think you might do that.
1: (laughs) I don't know if the average
0: person, the regular person, talking about
1: spaghetti westerns and Ariana Grande. (laughs) But
0: but with someone like him, it's like, man, I would love to like go to like Amoeba Records and like go through like like digging through through the crates, digging through the crates with like Mark Foster and you know because clearly you could fall into a rabbit hole like a pop music rabbit hole and just get lost. Um, Anyway, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. 20 years ago this week, Armageddon, The Album, hit number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, back when everything was just called something, The Album, when it was a soundtrack. (laughs) Kind of like Black Panther, The The Album. album. Um, Well, the set, which contained the smash hit, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith, which you just heard a snippet of to intro this segment. Um, The album spent two weeks. The album spent two weeks atop the list. Starting on July 18th, 1998, and was one of three chart topping soundtracks that year, alongside two albums you may have heard of Titanic and City of Angels. It was uh, 1998 was a huge year for soundtracks, um, and uh, granted, only three of them actually hit number one, but there were so many more that were huge albums in that weird transitionary time where the only way most people could actually get a song they wanted was to go and buy the album mm-hmm. because the music industry had effectively like killed the commercial single like they, you couldn't go buy CD singles really anymore and iTunes hadn't existed yet and so if you wanted to get that hot new you know whatever song the music industry basically forced you to buy an album yeah. so lots of soundtracks that really should have never existed or That's done why well. I
1: owned the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. That, I
0: mean, <laughs> there, for some reason, people went and bought the Godzilla soundtrack. Oh,
1: yeah, for that terrible Diddy Jimmy Page ugh, thing. Ugh. Puff Daddy, I mean.
0: Yeah, at the <laughs> time <laughs> it was Puff Daddy featuring Jimmy Page. Come with me. What a time. Oi. Da da da. Da da da. Yeah. Da da da. That was Kashmir, wasn't it? Oi. What a time to be alive when Puff Daddy. Could, could sample get a, could,
1: a former member of Led supplin
0: well anyway that was coming that was also we didn't mean to die to, this to, to fall into a bashing on puff daddy we are so sorry um, that's not we are not that's not what we're doing um <laughs> We're talking about Armageddon. Um, Notably, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, was the first and so far only number one Billboard Hot 100 hit for Aerosmith. Um, The track, which was written by a friend of the pop shop, Diane Warren, Mm -hmm. hit number one on the September 5th, 1998 Hot 100 chart and spent four weeks atop the list. So there you have it. 20 years ago this week, Armageddon, the album, hit number one on the Billboard 200 chart. Already?
1: You know, soundtracks are really having a renaissance now, too. Like, they're back, but in a different way.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, we have The Greatest Showman, which has sold more than a million copies, mm-hmm. which can still prove that some albums, if they are the right kind of album, can still sell well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mamma Mia 2 soundtrack just came out a week ago, mm-hmm. um, featuring um, ABBA hits performed by Cher and Andy (laughs) Garcia and Meryl Streep and a whole raft of other young people Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I mean I don't know are there other soundtracks I'm not thinking of that are coming?
1: Black Panther Black Panther yeah Oh, and, like that are coming out? Yeah, I, I can't really. Well, think I guess of, the uh, Superfly one was it a couple weeks ago. Oh, as well? right. The,
0: the future kind of mm-hmm. curated one, which didn't really impact as big as Black Panther. It was
1: not Black Panther level. No. Well, we digress. Um, so, what this song? Whole, this whole show's been a digression. <laughs>
0: but those are the best kind of shows. Um, so, what song should we go out oh, on, man. Katie?
1: Um, the people should probably hear that Godzilla Diddy song.
0: Now. Oh, <laughs> so, so,
1: since we wouldn't have played it, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> I guess we can go out on Come With Me? No? Is that what it's
1: called? Come With Me? Come With Me, yeah.
0: All right, see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>